Hi, this is Danny Casey, and welcome to Danny C. Talking Sports. On this episode, we are featuring digital host and field producer for Fox Sports West, Carlin Baith. Make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Danny Case Sports. That's D-A-N-N-Y-C-A-C-E-S-P-O-R-T-S. Carlin Baith, please welcome to the show. Thank you, Danny. Thank you for having me. No, it's my pleasure. I just wanted to know right off the bat, what does a digital host entail? So digital hosting is something that, um, well, lives in the digital space, (laughs) I should start with. Right. And it's where we have this platform for Fox Sports West called Extra Point. And our digital pieces run about two minutes to three minutes. And this is all online. This is all online, but with the pieces that we create, we, we have not only digital in mind, but the ability to run them on television as well for our team partners' weekly shows. So if I make a, a three-minute piece for the Los Angeles Kings, it could very much end up on um, LA Kings Weekly, which is um, our television show on Fox Sports West. So. Right, you host that as well. Um, I do part time. Yes. So I we have two hosts. We've got myself and Alex Curry. So Alex Curry um, is a weekly show host and um, team reporter for the Angels covering the Angels for Fox Sports West. So we split duties on that. So okay. it's a lot of fun. What, what about a digital producer? Um... So digital producing is something I love. And not only am I out in the field, as we say, with my camera. I am kind of keeping track of the shots that I'm getting. I'm keeping track of the interviews that I'm doing. I'm making contact with the team contacts and PR that are on site and, you know, making sure all of my ducks are in a row, essentially. So you can't just kind of head out somewhere and and start, you know, going at something blindly. You kind of have to have an idea of what's going on. You have to be prepared and have read the the points of maybe the event that's happening that you're covering and producing is just kind of being your own boss on site essentially <laughs> making right, sure you right. get everything done you need to get done yeah no it's a lot <laughs> um so i was also curious what is the atmosphere of working as like an in arena host for the kings because i know you're an arena host um, so I was an in arena host. Right. I, I, I did an, I did in arena hosting for about three seasons. And during that time we won or the Kings, I shouldn't even say we, we, it's hard not to say we, when you cover a team, because it feels like you're so a part of it. But at the time I, I was with the Kings organization and they won the Stanley cup in 2014. And I happened to be in arena host at the time. So that was kind of you know, the best it could get as being an in arena host and you get the best seats in the house. Your job is to energize everybody and, and make sure that they're giving their all with the team on the ice. And it was a really fun three seasons. And from there I moved on to Fox, but it was just, it was such a blast. One of the most fun jobs I think I've ever had. Mm. Uh, Do you find it harder than being on like live TV? I do. I really do. I think in arena hosting, is definitely more difficult than than going live in front of a camera knowing you know knowing that there are people at home watching you on on television but you're not listening to the direct feedback so if if you jumble up your words live in front of 18,000 people there's a couple people around you that that heard you and can let you know that they heard you <laughs> and if the right, if there's the, like a couple second delay right something like yeah. that 
Well, it's not so much of a delay. It's just that say, say I mess up a read or something. There's a couple people that, you know, you could hear a low mumble in the crowd of like, oh, geez, well, get your stuff together or something. So right. they're right there. They're right there to support me and they're right there to let me know when to do it right too. <laughs> That's but, <good. laughs> but yeah, it was, it was more, I would say more challenging just, just because of there's a lot more expectations. You have to get live reactions from people. And, and when you're reporting on television, you can't hear anybody. You can't see anyone's live reactions and you're responsible for delivering the report. But, but it's, it's not as, um, I, I guess, uh, there's no feedback instantaneously from thousands of people. Right. <laughs> um, have you found like any of those skills overlapped in your career so far? I would say the personality driven side of in arena hosting helped me with my reporting and kind of gave me an edge where I feel like I was able to bring my personality into television reporting a lot um, sooner or quicker than maybe some people find that they're able to. Um, I, I, I felt like that was kind of my one up on, on some people because I was just so quirky and animated and had to be on at all times and I love that our broadcast in general has a great group of people. So it kind of helped lend itself to the camaraderie that we'd build or the jokes that we'd have or our ability to bounce off one another. I think I got a lot of that from, from in arena hosting for sure. So um, I was actually, I was curious because it brings me right into my next question. How do you feel like you improved as a reporter over the years? Well, last season was my very first season reporting live on television with an actual team and it was a learning experience from the very first hit to the very last hit of the season and I felt like I improved with little things where you would I would say something and maybe mix my words up a little bit and think about it for like two hours after the fact like holy smokes I can't believe I jumbled that up or said the wrong name or something and by the end of the season I remember my very last, one of my very last hits that I did, it's kind of a, a tweet that I have pinned on my, on my Twitter. I was interviewing a comedian and I was trying to describe the players in front of me and their reactions because he was shirtless. You can, you can, <laughs> his name is Burt Kreischer and he took his shirt off on live television and I was right there for all of it. And that's, wow. that's his shtick. That's what he does. But I was trying to describe in front of me the players' reactions and I called, I think I called, um, Jeff Carter on Jay Kopitar or something like that. But it's like, I know, I know who these players are. And I just corrected myself real quick on television. But at the beginning of the season, if I had done that, I would have thought about it for days. I would have been like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. But in the moment I said it, looked right at him. and was like, I, I mean, so-and-so. And I corrected myself with no you know, no shame or, or not, or anything like that. And right, there's nothing wrong with that. I feel no, like. No. Yeah. I think, I think I let, I learned to let go of perfection and just correct myself as I go. No one's perfect. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. No one's perfect. And I think, you know, when I first started out, I definitely tried to pride myself on, on not messing up, but as long as you're candid about it, people, people seem to forgive you pretty quickly. Like myself, I've tried to like be as perfect as I possibly can. It's hard because it's, you can't do it. It's it's almost, it's really just impossible to do. It is. And, and when you, and when you aren't perfect, it's all about how you recover from it. So if you realize you've messed up, if you get angry about it, right. it might get it might give people an off-putting feeling. But if you if you shrug it off and almost laugh it off, like of course yeah. I know who that was, then people are there to empathize with you and get on the same page as you. So 
yeah, as long as, as you, you I feel like you learn from your mistakes I think that's all that matters yeah and have a good attitude about it too yeah. you'll be fine thank you <laughs> <laughs> so I myself is having like a hard time like remembering my lines on camera so do you have like mm -hmm. any techniques you could share with me in, like working in front of the camera well everybody's different so I tried a lot to memorize things and have had producers work with me over the years about how can I get better at memorizing? And I actually kind of gave in to the big beast that is trying to memorize things. And I, I said, you know what, you win brain. I know you're never going to memorize this the way it's supposed to be. So let's find some different tools to figure it out. And I do really well at improvising. So I prefer rather than to memorize an entire scripted thing, unless it's word for word sponsorship, something that I have to say, then of course that's memorized. But when it comes to delivering a report, I, I found that if I have bullet points of the major keynotes of things that I've wanted to say, I'm able to interject kind of my own personality or my own take on it and, and just trust myself that I know what I'm about to say. It's going to come out how it comes out. But if I have it rehearsed in my head, I'm a, going to sound like a robot, and B, if I mess up on one word, boy, am I just going to mess up the rest of it. Right. So I, it's, it's something where if you're just not doing it and it, it's, it's hindering the way that you report or the way that you bring out your personality, my advice is to try to find other ways to deliver the information rather than just trying to memorize it. Or if you know you have it in you and you know hey, this is something I just want to be able to be really, really good at memorizing, then the, the saying goes, practice makes perfect. And it's really the old-fashioned way to, to really kind of, you know, get good at something is to practice it over and over again, even when you're not live on air. If you're in your bathroom brushing your teeth and you want to try and memorize something, do it then. Look yourself in the mirror and, and try, try and do some reps there. But yeah, it's, I've, I've really kind of modified my own techniques because there's there's so many different ways to do what reporters do and i was kind of it's kind of a lonely job where you're not working with 50 other reporters at once you don't get to feed off of one another like i'm sure you guys do at school right now where there's people you can bounce things off of and learn from it's kind of isolating when when you're a reporter unless or except for the you know the the crew you work with and the other hosts and reporters that you work with it's it's pretty isolating so yeah, I mean, it's nerve-wracking for me right now, like, talking to people like you who are reporters and stuff like that. I'm trying to overcome these nerves, and I feel like I've gotten better at, you know, as I keep doing these interviews. So it just it takes practice, you know, and I'm getting better, I feel like. Yeah, it's all about practice. And and do what scares you, too. I mean, that's a that's yeah. a saying for a reason. If you, if, if you do what scares you, you'll only just build up more and more of a tolerance for it, and yeah. you won't be scared anymore, and it'll come through. I feel like I avoid what scares me, but now I'm trying to tackle what I fear most. Which 100%. Is, Go is, head first right into it. Right. <laughs> but you say when you improvise, right? So <laughs> were those the ways that you felt like you improvised? Like, what do you mean by that though? Well, I, I took four years of improv and comedy classes at the Groundlings in Los Angeles. And that was to help aid the way that I speak and the way that I respond to people. So a lot of people obviously go there to work on their comedy skills, but I really was working on, you know, how, how I interacted with humans, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> yeah. And improv um, allows you to listen and respond. And 
It allows you to generate information. It allows you to generate the way that you're saying something and not feel stuck or empty or clueless as to where your roadmap is going. So when I mean improvise, I mean, you know, not making stuff up, but if I have a, you know, morning report about say the new assistant coach that the Kings had hired, I have a, like a bullet point list. Like I talked about of things of like, how long was his flight here? What did he do on the flight? You know, when did he get in? Okay. It was this morning. And did he talk to any players when he got here? Um, is he going to be behind the bench tonight or is he waiting a game? And so with all of that information, I would kind of script it out loosely and then totally improvise the way that I say it. So if he had a 14 hour flight, the first player he met was on Jay Kopitar. Um, if you think about those bullet points, it's easy to kind of sandwich together where you could just be like, I talked to Marco Sturm this morning. He had a 14 hour flight. And on that flight, he said he did a lot of video watching on this team. One player that impressed him the most was on Jay Kopitar, who happened to be the very first player who he introduced himself to in the locker room this morning and so on and so forth. So right. you kind of just like make up how you say it without memorizing it. And then that's kind of what I mean when I, when I am. You just go over those bullet points like over and over again. Yeah. And, and when, when you're prepared, when, when you know the team, you know, the players, you know, you know, the people that you're surrounded with and the things that you're about to speak on, it becomes less scary. So I'm sure this would, this would be the same for you in your interviews where the more you research the person or how you're getting prepared for each interview, I bet you feel super comfortable and you're able to improvise as well one right right of course know all these things about about the person so you know it's it's it only it only helps you to just know as much as you can and then the memorization becomes kind of second second to that mhm i i completely agree <laughs> um so i checked your um your LinkedIn bio and it states that you've worked with other professional teams, such as like the teams in California uh, as the um, NHL's ducks, MLB's angels and NBA's Clippers. So I'm a basketball guy. I was just wondering, like, what was the overall experience covering teams such as the Clippers? So I got to cover the Clippers. I still do a little bit for, for yeah. our digital platform extra point. And they are so different. Each, each athlete is so different from, from another athlete like the baseball players are different from hockey players hockey players are different from basketball players True. but they're all so fun and I I really 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 liked the Clippers I one of my favorite things I ever did with them was I had a, a what's called a ride-along where yeah, they I put, was just about to mention that you did yeah an interview with Danilo Gallinari yes I did and that guy he's so interesting he makes however whoever knows how much money and he drives a 2008. But um, for that interview with Gallinari, uh, how did you prepare for that interview? I watched a lot of videos on him. I watched other interviews that he did. I watched um, just to see what he did outside of the game. And he's a really interesting dude. He'd, he'd modeled before. He's had family who's played. You know, he's super low-key and really, like, as you saw that car, 2008. Yeah. Like, he's... <laughs> He's very, he's just very unique and, and he's going a very in, tall guy too. <laughs> very tall, very tall guy. But going into that and kind of getting to know him and, and looking at all those videos beforehand, I would say I do like, you know, a couple hours of, of prep before I do something like that. Um, 
even if I'm not writing down or taking actual notes, it's just the matter of like watching and viewing. I'm a very visual, visual person and, and remembering things that stuck out to me or, or remembering or seeing what he was responding to in those interviews and seeing if I could pull out something similar in him with, with our interview. And then we have another um, producer I was working with at the time. Her name was Sarah Takata. Um, she's amazing. She's been a great um, person to look up to at Fox. And she, you know, works so closely with the team that utilizing the people around me like her only helps my interview. So if she talked to me beforehand, told me what his nickname was, told me how the guys think of him, and that just helped with what we ended up talking about. So not being shy of asking the people you work with, you know, for information and doing your research. It's just something that'll, that'll only help you in the long run, but it took, took a little bit to prepare for him, but a lot of video watching was kind of my main, my main go-to. Right. No, research is always important. Mm -hmm. So uh, for the Clippers, like, what do you think of Kawhi and uh, Paul George joining the franchise now? Oh my goodness. <laughs> like, what's going to happen to them I next know. year? You know, <laughs> this is crazy. I think uh, talking to Sarah about this actually recently, she said, you know, they've been preparing for this for a while. Yeah. Stacking stack things up in the, the pipeline to make something like that happen. And they, right. they did. So it'll be, it'll be exciting to watch. Yeah. I just watched the video the other day. Apparently they were like friends since like last year, they were like buddy, buddy. And I guess they were thinking about this for maybe a while now. Yeah. It, it's be cool to watch. <laughs> it's gonna be the NBA just in general. I feel like it's gonna be fascinating with all these things that are going on at the moment with the free agency and stuff like that. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Um. So for Fox Sports West, like, what is your like daily routine? Well, on a shoot day, I would do the preparation for right. whatever shoot it is, and let's let's make one up here where, um. Let's say I'm going to cover Pride Night at Angel Stadium. We just did this not that long ago. Right. I, I would look at the information that one of our producers sent from work, and usually they've gathered something that the team has sent to them. And I would look at who's going to be there. I would look at what those people do and what they're going to be up to during the game. Then I would coordinate with my producer about, you know, what would you like for this piece? And that person would tell me, okay, I want a two minute, 30 second piece. And I want you to recap the night or find something interesting about it to kind of showcase or elaborate on. I'm like, okay, great. Then I would show up at the stadium about half an hour to 45 minutes before whatever event or evening is taking place. Mm -hmm. And because I shoot a lot of my own stuff, sometimes we do have a camera person with me and it's very helpful yeah. <laughs> and they're great. And, but I love shooting and editing as well, which is that that's not for everybody that I don't want to yeah. scare people and make them think they have to do all of that because they definitely don't. I, I definitely choose to, and I love it, but I would, I would show up half an hour to 45 minutes before I would make contact with the angels PR or angels marketing, whoever's in charge of kind of corralling everybody. And then I, I think in segments in my head where I have to put the story together. So I know I'm going to need an opening and I know I'm going to need a close and I know I'm going to need a few interviews to kind of beef it up in the middle. And I know it's going to have to tell a story. So I just start thinking of, of those components and I gather what's called B-roll and just shoot signs that say what's happening tonight. I shoot people enjoying themselves or you know, putting on the, the pride night hat giveaway. 
and then I'll shoot the people that I've researched, which would be the panelists, because that night it was a panel, and they were all going to be sitting down and talking to some Angel fans. So I would just kind of keep the story in mind and shoot based on what I was trying to create. And then you also want to set the scene. So it's at Angel Stadium. I'd shoot outside of the stadium, like a nice slow shot. And then I would shoot some close-up shots. And a camera operator who I love, he he taught me this one time when I was thinking of the types of shots to shoot. And he said to keep this rule in mind of wide, medium, and tight. So I try and do that with with each thing that I shoot. So tight would be a close-up shot. So if I'm shooting, you know, and I want to get that we're at Angel Stadium, I would shoot a wide shot of the stadium. I would shoot maybe a a medium shot, which would be semi-close-up of the signage, maybe where it just says Angel Stadium. And then a tight tight shot. Maybe I I show people scanning their ticket to get in. So all three of those shots would tell you we're at a baseball stadium. So that's kind of what I think of with each kind of scene that I'm at. Uh, okay. So if we moved from outside the stadium to inside, I would do that again where I shoot a wide. So maybe a wide shot of the seats, um, a medium shot. Maybe I would shoot people walking down to their seats and a tight shot. Maybe I shoot two people sitting in their seats laughing and having a good time. So that was kind of the rule of thumb that I go with when, when I'm shooting stuff. So that that's kind of the start to the night. And then during that time and I'm gathering everything, um, that this night specifically that I'm talking about, I had someone with me to help me and she was also shooting and she had my camera as a second camera and um, she would help me kind of coordinate who we're going to talk to. So that's another big part of reporting is making connections with people and, and having the guts to go up to them, let them know what you're doing and the types of questions you'd like to ask them and see if they'd be open to it. So just like what I did with you. <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's just, it's all about legwork. So right. this job is so it's, it's time consuming in the best way because you have to enjoy the human aspect of it where you are doing the legwork to make these connections. And I think a lot of people look at it sometimes like, things are presented to you on a plate or yeah, right. you know you you are being handed this script or you are being told exactly what to do and it's so far from true even even for some of our big big um show hosts who who sit at their desk i mean i i think of patrick o'neill who hosts for the angels and kent french and people don't see the behind the scenes of them going into the clubhouse talking with each player that they want to you know, report on that night and, and doing all of their own legwork. It's like, I think a lot of people look at it like this glamorous job, like, Oh, yeah, I, I can talk on TV. Action. Yeah. Like it's, they, they, they think I, I could talk on TV for a living. That looks so fun. Right. And it's like, wow, it's so much more than that. And, yeah. but that's I'm the part that that myself right now. <laughs> yeah. But that's the exciting part is, right. is the connections that you make with people. And then being able to take those connections and tell their story for them. Cause we're just vehicles. We're technically you're, you're acting as a vehicle right now and helping me tell my story. And it's, right. it's a really fun job to have, but, but yeah, that's kind of the, the gist of an evening. And then at the end of the evening, it's, I would say each shoot varies. It could take one hour. It could take six and the end of the night, I take all of my footage and I empty it immediately onto my computer so nothing happens to the SD card. <laughs> so that's whether you're recording a podcast or, or shooting a video, always remember to empty your media into a place where it's safe 
maybe double it if you want to make sure right. it's in two places. And, that's good to know. Yeah, and and that's your that's your first um, first line of protocol because yeah. <laughs> I've lost footage before or I've lost a memory card, and boy, is it brutal. But yeah. Yeah. No, I, and then I, I'll, <laughs> I'll usually edit the next day, and then that kind of ends starts and ends my what a shoot day looks like for me. Okay, well, thank you for that. Uh huh. Um, so, like, my goal here is, like, I want to be, like, a sports broadcaster one day. Like, I want to be, like, um, Mike Brain, who's, like, um, the broadcaster for the New York Knicks. That's how I got into, like, doing something like this. Like, I'm doing an internship right now where I'm reporting people and stuff like that. It's it's really cool. And I'm only learning and gaining more knowledge, which is really amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, this is – this is you're doing it right. <laughs> the fact yeah. that you're, you're practicing and, and kind of just – doing your own thing it's you only learn by doing and you can want to do something all you want but unless you start doing it no matter what level you're at no matter how much you're getting paid whether it's zero dollars or ten thousand as long as you're doing you're, you're learning yeah i honestly i feel like it's it, the experience is what matters most to me because i'd rather be doing something where i'm actually gonna be it's gonna benefit me for the future than doing something that's not gonna benefit me of course absolutely and that's that's the right way to do it because I think a lot of people who want to do this job, as, as I already kind of mentioned, there's a lot of wishing and hoping or thinking, hey, I think I can do that, but the practice is what will get you further or learning from someone or learning under someone or with and someone. Putting in the work, really. Exactly. It takes a lot of hours. Lots yep. of them. <laughs> and I'm learning that right now as we speak. So <laughs> Good, 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 good. Yep. Um, so another thing I was curious, uh, what skills do you feel um, today's journalists should have working in the field? Well, I think there's a, there's a couple different ways we could talk about this. So I, if we're talking about writing, I, I think your book of contacts is what's going to serve you the best when, when you're a writer. And this is what impresses me so much about some of the reporters that cover the Kings. When I read their articles the morning of a game and I look and see that they've gotten a quote from God knows when, from God knows who, I'm like, that's so impressive. When did you get that? You, I just saw you talking to that player yesterday and you came out with this. There's a lot of um, behind the scenes work that goes into maybe um, combining everything for that one article that I just saw. So like Lisa Dillman or Helene Elliott, they know coaches, players, so many different people from around the league. They're on, you know, a texting basis with the GM of the Kings. And mm -hmm. to have that kind of connection and contact with those people and the stability with it too, to really kind of keep that contact with them, that's what helps them down the road with their writing and with their reporting. So I think that is something that gets overlooked is, you know, some of the things that you need to be a good writer or a good reporter and it's it's your contacts and having the ability to call on someone or reference someone for something or even having friends that are writers i've heard other writers get quotes for another writer where right. you know someone will be working the ducks game that night and couldn't be at the kings game and someone will ask a question which is for another person's article and it's just that type of teamwork and camaraderie that is so impressive to me so that's huge for writing and then for reporting, 
we're talking skills, right? I've already kind of lost track of what you asked. Yes, skills, sorry. Skills, yeah, no, no, no. This is, this is what happens. You talk so much, you forget right, what you're right, talking right. about. Right, right, right. So, so skills, skills for reporting, I, I say hang on to your personality and, and don't lose sight of that because that's what's going to set you apart from your average reporter. There's, yeah. there's a hundred, say there's a hundred people out there that want to do the job that you want to do. Right. If you can inject your personality and inject some special things about you that make you unique, then I feel like you, you kind of give yourself that leverage or that one up over another person who maybe just wants to deliver the information. So, right. and then Another thing too is to find new ways to deliver the same information. So I, I look at the season the Kings had last year and, you know, it was not what they wanted. And we had to deliver a lot of bad news and a lot of bad. Um, That's part I of would, the job. Right. It, there's a lot of ups and downs. And, and we had to report on a lot of the downs last year. And it turned into kind of finding new ways to say the same thing. And that's something I learned from Kent French, who reports for the Ducks. He's amazing. And he, you know, he's done this job for so long that he's told a similar story once or twice or has told, you know, or has asked a question to a player in between periods that, you know, he's asked before, but it's all about how you formulate your words. And a lot of people, you know, will say the same thing every time and say, how does that make you feel? Or what did you feel when? And it's like, okay, maybe try and take that sentence and say, you know, what emotions were running through your head when? So just how it kind of gets you the same answer, but you just change up your words a little bit. That'll keep you more um, kind of captivating as a reporter. And it'll, it'll also let the players know, like, you're not being redundant. You're not just getting the same thing every time. It'll let, make them answer differently as well. So um, being creative and changing up how you say things, I think, is a good key to, you know, seeing a little bit of success as a reporter. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Uh, for sure. So I was wondering, can you share like what was like an early critique given to you, like given of you while you started your career and like what did you learn from it? Oh my gosh, I've gotten so many. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. My, <laughs> Part my, of the business. Yeah. So one of my favorite things to receive is constructive criticism and never combat it and never take it personal and never let it hurt your feelings because people in this business want they they're not looking at you to like tear you down they want you to succeed they want you to be (laughs) yeah like it's everyone thinks it's like such a cutthroat business and it's so like yeah that's what i hear (laughs) yeah and and so if you if you run into a mean person or something it's okay like you're gonna be fine but it's not the end of the world (laughs) yeah it's not the end of the world and turns out most people have really good intentions and if someone maybe seems a little bit attitude or whatever. It's usually a reflection of them or their high stress that they're experiencing in their job. So again, don't take it personal. But um, I love asking people how I can improve or, or what I could do to be better. And I just thrive off of constructive criticism. But um, someone that I, um, the person who hired me was um, so good at how he presented this piece to me where I have a lot of energy and the way he kind of phrased it was like assess the situation in a room before maybe bringing it to a level of 100. And I'm like, got it. Totally understand what you're saying. (laughs) Give the room a once over, then see how much energy I'm going to inject in this place. Like just little things like that where it's like, okay, kind of tone it down, then tone it up. So I've got like think of my life like a like a volume knob where I can start with it down and then realize okay I can turn it up now so that was kind of something super helpful was to 
go into something, be a little bit even keeled and see the situation first, then respond to it. Um, there's other criticisms I've gotten, like your voice is too high. Those are the ones I don't listen to because I can't change that. I'm sorry. I sound course, right? young or I, I, I don't have that deep reporter, um, strong female voice. I've got a very high pitch female voice and I, and I'm totally fine with that. I love that part about myself. I, I and it's, you have a great voice. For thank you. It, it's not for everyone. And it's something that, you know, if someone's attacking, not attacking, but if someone's criticizing something you can't change, then that's where it's something where you got to kind of take note and go, okay, thank you. Moving on. And, um, so that was something that was an example of a criticism that I did not, it's something I didn't take well, but I just, there was nothing to do with it. (laughs) So I just, I can't change it. Um, but yeah, other, other pieces of criticism were just like not listening to actual, like, I guess people call them trolls on Twitter or constructive criticism, I guess was, you know, don't respond to the trolls. So I responded to something on Twitter or, you know, might've answered someone and someone said, don't, don't make time for those people. Do not respond to someone who, you know, said something you can't picture your own mother saying to you. So, (laughs) and that was, that was more of a a great piece of advice, but um, I guess the other thing is just to like always work hard. Cause if you, if you are prepared, like we've talked about, then you, there's really nothing that could go wrong um, as long as you're prepared and you know what you're talking about. If you don't know what you're talking about, that's when it can become kind of hurtful for everyone. Then it looks yeah. bad on the producers or it looks bad on your, on your coworkers when you're, when you're live and you're kind of clueless as to what you're saying. It's just, it's that's no, why research is important. Yeah. It's just no good for anyone. So, yeah. Um, so I just have a, like a couple more questions. Sure. Okay. So as being a woman in a, like a majority like male dominated profession, I, I would say, what advice do you have like for other y- young women trying to follow in your footsteps as a career? Don't, don't let that ever deter you from, from doing anything in this field. Let that be a strength. Let that never be a second thought in your mind that maybe I can't do this because I'm this person. Absolute no, no, no. Like I've, I've never once, and maybe this is credit to my family. I grew up with four strong, amazing brothers. I grew up with an incredible dad. My mom is like such a bad mama jamma. I love her. Like I, maybe this is credit to them, but I've never once felt inferior. I've never once felt like I don't have the same opportunities. And Fox is so good at that as well. I've never, ever, ever once felt like Oh, because I'm a woman, I I can't do this. It's if anything, they empower me to to be able to do more than I thought I ever could, regardless of of what gender. And right. you know, our I look up to the people we work with who are who are strong women in the, in these roles. And if you think you can't do something because of the way you are as a person, and it's that I don't want to say that's on you, but you've got to expand the horizons and and give yourself more credit. You got, yeah, you got, you, you have to give yourself more credit and you have to realize you can do anything and you are your only obstacle. Don't let any other factor, you know, kind of stand in your way. And if it does stand in your way, go somewhere else that won't let it stand in your way. I've, I've just, I've always thought it was something empowering. I love, I love being a woman in sports and I think it's just, I don't know, Fox gives me such a great, 
great experience and a great platform to kind of exercise that on. Ah, that's a good way to look at things. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so also, how do you learn a sport? Like, do you not know? Like, like I'm a basketball guy. Like, how would you recommend I open up to like new sports? Well, it's work. <laughs> and right. that's, it's just like anything we're talking about. It's all about the work that goes into it. And, you know, if you're doing it for a living, I would say try and find the joy in it. Because if you don't make it enjoyable, then you're going to not look forward to learning it. And that's with anything, even in school. Like, say you have got a subject that you're just like, ugh, I don't want to get through this. This stinks. I don't like math. <laughs> yeah. Who likes math? Math stinks. <laughs> yeah. But you have to do it. So try and make it enjoyable. Maybe there's somebody in math or in your math class who's way better at it than you are. Right. Get some advice from that person. Have them help you out with some things. Don't be shy. Ask for help. Yeah. Ask questions. Absolutely. So like right now, like I, I know baseball and I know it well, but I, I'm always looking to kind of deepen the knowledge or or kind of further, further investigate the sports that I'm, that I'm reporting on. That with baseball and football. Because I'm yeah. more basketball, so yeah. Of course. So I, I have a person who is a good friend of mine who's just like a baseball nut, knows every little nuance about it, where right. I could text him, why did this player throw this type of pitch on this player? And he'll be like, well, two years ago in Oakland. And like <laughs> has like the story. And I'm like, well, damn, I knew there was something. Yeah. So I, I have people that I can talk to and I can ask. And I'm never afraid to ask questions. So that's something that's that can help way. you a lot. Just yeah. don't be afraid. Ask the questions. I also buy a lot of books. So I go on Amazon. I'll buy like five to 10 books at a time. Not even joking. My coffee tables are covered. I believe you. And it's, you know, if I want to know something, I, I look it up and I research and I make sure that I'm prepared. So, but yeah, finding the joy is, I would say, probably the the number one thing or else you're, you're going to pain yourself over, over trying to learn something that you really, you know, either don't care about or are not happy to report on. And that's the last thing you want to do. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, thank you, Carlin, for participating in this interview with me. So for my listeners out there, what is the best way to keep up with your work? Well, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Carlin Bathe, C-A-R-R-L-Y-N, b-a-t-h-e and that's usually where i post all of my Thank videos you spell that as well of course it's hard to say harder to spell <laughs> so that's that's where most of my work goes up on and um yeah or you can go on youtube on fox sports west and kind of see all of the videos that we create and make okay well thank you again thanks danny i really appreciate it thanks for having me thanks for listening to this episode make sure you rate comment or subscribe and share it with a friend please and also, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Danny K Sports. That's D-A-N-N-Y-C-A-C-E-S-P-O-R-T-S. And you can find my latest sports writings on DannyKCSports.wordpress.com. That's D-A-N-N-Y-C-A-C-A-C-E-S-P-O-R-T-S.wordpress.com. See you on the next one.